what have you been through i don't know all of us have been through something and then we we've come out of it at some point but my question to you is have you been to prison this is now tell us and i'm your host anthony murore at now tell us we have guests come and tell us stories they come and inspire us they come and educate us on a subject that they are passionate about and always we are having a great time let me remind you that uh, if you would want to watch past and future episodes you can always go to www.nowtellus.com uh, please subscribe to our youtube channel share this with all your friends and as you are watching if you have a question on what we are going to discuss today you can always ask or you have a comment please comment we love feedback and we will appreciate your comment and without taking one more minute i'm not going to wait any longer i'm going to invite you to come join me as we go to meet our guest today who is known as elizabeth mikotovic hope i got that right she's going to tell us when she comes here who's going to tell us from prison to purpose are you ready okay here we go Elizabeth. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, it's an honor to have you here. Thank you for coming to Now Tell Us. We are honored. Yeah, yeah. if I may start by asking you, where are you? I'm um, in Texas. <laughs> we just Texas. moved down here like, yeah, like six months ago um, from Maine. Uh, but I spent most of my life, you know, in Maine. I was born in uh, Brooklyn, uh, New York. I'm sorry. I was adopted to Brooklyn, New York from Illinois. I was born in Quincy, Illinois. I only stayed there for like six days. And then when my father got a job at the University of Maine, um, we moved up there. And I spent most of my childhood there. And, you know, my parents were, that adopted me were very loving, kind, you know, supportive people. And, you know, I I was really blessed. And, um I ended up meeting my biological family when I was 18. And um, it, once I got out on my own, um, I got into some really abusive relationships. Uh, like when this man assaulted me, like it wasn't just smacking me around a few times. It was like I was going to the hospital with my skull showing, oh. you know, type of injuries. And mm -hmm. um, I found out I was pregnant that day when he hit me with the wooden dowel, like right above my um right eye and you can see my skull when it happened um the brain damage was so bad that i started getting seizures and i would you know wake up on the floor after being unconscious for you know minutes sometimes up to 10 minutes at a time and i had a little girl who was only 14 months old so now i was no longer like a safe caregiver giver for her you know when i'm you know constantly going out and losing consciousness and there's nothing i can do about it mm. um 
the other thing was um, they prescribed me opioids for that injury. And initially I took it, but you know, when they told me I was pregnant and they sent me to the pain clinic, I was like, Whoa, wait, I, I don't want to take this on a regular basis. Like I don't mm. want my baby to be addicted. I don't want to be addicted. They said, you're on too small of a dose to get addicted. And since you're pregnant, if you refuse, that will result in a call to CPS for refusing medical advice and neglecting mm. your baby. And you know, I noted I was on state insurance. So, you know, I was on like poor people insurance, you know, funded by the government. And, you know, I noticed that I was treated a lot differently, you know, compared to when I was on my parents' private insurance. Mm. And, you know, that was kind of, you know, very eye opening for me because, you know, here I was, you know, strolling through life thinking, oh, this is America and everybody's equal and it's the land of the free. And I was totally under, you know, the, the illusion of white supremacy that, you know, these issues were over with. Mm. And it took me going to prison to really see like what's really happening to, you know, marginalized communities and the BIPOC mm. community. And it's absolutely right. horrifying. Right. Um, so, you know, the abuse got worse and, you know, I, I, I got strangled to the point my, my windpipe was damaged and I would have these fits where it would collapse in on itself. It was like a plastic, when you have a plastic tube, and you bend it and it's like there's a crease in the tube it you know you can still straighten it out but it's got that weak point and that's what my my vocal cords were or my windpipe was literally closing in on itself i would have to chug water just to be able to breathe i mean this was terrifying and so i eventually went to spruce run the battered women's shelter in bangor maine and they Turn me away. With now, let, let, me, let, let us go slow here. Let us, let us okay. go slow here, not to be lost. Now, you, you not only told us where you are right now, but you also told us where you are coming from. Now, you're talking about being strangled here and all that you went through. We, mm -hmm. what, what I didn't actually get is what this, I mean, where you're being strangled. I mean, is it in prison? Is Wait. it from no, your No, no, no. This was. This was before prison. This Not is part prison. of what, okay. yes, okay. This is, I had never been in trouble at this point. And I only got in trouble once. Um, mm. You know, this is 70% of women in America that are in prison have some sort of domestic violence or sexual assault in their past before they mm. even go to prison. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are the ones that society failed and we slipped through the cracks because, you know, we were so desperate. And that's what happened to me. And this was, you know, I went to the battered women's shelter begging for help because I just lost my apartment because of this man, I was in public housing and they evicted me because the cops mm -hmm. showed up. Mm -hmm. So they, first they called me a liar because I had no emotions. I was just like in, you know, shell shock basically. He held a knife to my face when I was eight months pregnant and he said, one more tear rolls down your cheek. I'm gonna cut your face off. So mm -hmm. after that, I wouldn't cry. I just instantly turn it off and bottle it up. So mm -hmm. I was like shell shock mode and, um they called me a liar at first because they said, well, women come in here and they're usually crying and emotional. And I'm like, sorry, I'm not most women. Like, what do you, what do you want? And then they, they didn't believe me. So I went and I got my medical records. I went and I got the police reports, you know, when they brought me to the hospital and, you know, he got into a high speed chase and, you know, it was, it was awful. Then they did a complete 180 and said, well, your situation is so dangerous and your injuries are so extensive that we can't have you here. It puts mm. the other, been in the shelter in danger. So, mm -hmm. and this is a problem with 
victim-based shelters in America. A friend of mine tried to get into the human trafficking shelter and they told her that the only way they would take her is if she testified against her pimp. So you want victims to do your job as law enforcement. That's not a victim's job. It's law mm. enforcement's job to catch mm -hmm. these people. And the only way she can get safe or, you know, housing or into a shelter and get help is if she puts herself in danger and testifies against these, you know, human traffickers. Like, that's ridiculous. Mm. And so basically, it's like they're just trying to see what they can get out of these victims, whether it's, you know, media attention or, you know, more funding, you know, stuff like that. And then they're not mm -hmm. helping the, the victims that really need it the most. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was rock bottom for me right there. Mm -hmm. You know, I made a deal with my father. If they wouldn't help me, I would sign my children over to him because if my ex showed up with the cops, my dad would have to sign, my dad would have to hand them over. And I didn't want, you know, to go through that hell of, you know, trying to get my kids back from this man who kept trying to kill me and sexually assault me. And um, so once I did that, I lost my health care and food stamps and, you know, all, all of my um, resources, basically. And they said, the only way you can, you know, get um, health care is if you're pregnant. And I'm like, I'm just trying to be okay enough to get my kids back and, you mm. know, into housing and into a place. And, you know, if, if, if I were to get my kids back, I'd have to have a place ready for them, like ready to go. Yeah place for both of them. Mm -hmm. And in order to get resources to do that, they have to be in my custody. So it's like a catch 22 when you're trying to get out of these situations. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, drug dealers protected me. They gave me places to stay. They gave me place to hide. They defended me. You know, they gave me drugs to sell. And, you know, yeah. Did they take advantage of my situation and pull me into a life? You know, I didn't want. Yes. But, you know, if, if they hadn't, like, I don't know where I'd be right now, honestly. Mm. Like, I, I could be dead if they hadn't done that. And so oh, now I'm on the streets and, you know, my I'm, I'm so hardened from this trauma. Mm. Like, I didn't cry. I didn't back down. I wasn't scared to die. And so I developed a reputation and I moved, you know, up the chain pretty quickly. And, you know, I was getting involved with more and more dangerous people and I was dealing with more and more weight. And, you know, eventually I caught charges in 2011. For and, what? Um, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, trafficking um, bath salts and other scheduled substances. This was one of the okay. first um, bath salt cases in America. And mm -hmm. the government was making money off the taxes and Europe had banned bath salts year, mm. a couple of years before, but America didn't. Mm -hmm. They allowed this stuff to get on the shelves so they could make money off people and then get everybody addicted. Okay. You know, we were like, hey, it's legal. How bad could it be? And I go to I stopped selling all the other illegal drugs. And I, I stuck with this because I'm like, hey, it's legal. How much trouble can you get in? And I go to mm. prison for the first time. Did I deserve mm -hmm. it? Yes, because it was awful and it caused a lot of problems in my community. And, you know, but at the same time, I was desperate. I was scared and I just didn't know what else to do. I had exhausted all other options to try and get myself out of the situation. And, mm. you know, you know, maybe there was more options out there and I, I just couldn't find them. But I tried and I did everything I could before I went down this road. And that's what yeah. people don't understand is that, yeah. you know, it's so hard to, you know, survive in America. There's 29 empty properties for every homeless person in America. Mm. Mm -hmm. 29. And, 29. You know, and why does, why don't they give them, 
Why don't because they? Because capitalism says somebody needs to profit off of it. And mm -hmm. it's disgusting. It is a very predatory system and it's destroying everybody. Mm. You know, I never went, I was in college. I had plans. I didn't want to be a drug dealer. I wasn't trying to be some thug chick on the street. And that's what I turned into. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I went to jail um, in 2011 for the state charges, and then the feds picked it up in 2013, and I was held responsible for the same drugs again. Whoa. So that it was not a new situation in 2013 when the feds picked it up. It was the, the exact same, same, same drugs. The same exact, yeah, the exact same, same thing. And you were still exact, inside? You were yes, still the exact inside. same box. For how many years had you been convicted? I, would, I got three years for it. And, you know... I was blessed to get three years. If I was a black woman or, you know, a Spanish woman, they probably mm -hmm. would have doubled or tripled that, honestly. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, that that doesn't sit right with me at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my first week at Somerset County, I witnessed an entire pot of women get stripped out because they signed up to use a razor and a male sergeant wanted a list of who shaved their vaginas and who didn't. Those that did were punished. And this mm. is the PG stuff going on in American prisons. I mean, mm. it is disgusting. I watched a woman go into labor and they weren't going to take her to the hospital. The only reason they took her to the hospital is because 30 of us flipped out and threatened a riot. And then they told the girl, this is a false alarm. You're going to go in the hole for wasting our time and money. If you don't want to pay for a pregnant woman's, you know, medical care, don't have her in jail. You know, and it, like, imagine being like for all the women out there, like who have had kids, like, you know, Braxton Hicks, you know, you have false pregnant, uh, false labors. It happens. And you are going to punish a woman with solitary confinement hmm. because she had a, a false, a false labor. I mean, that is sociopathic. And, you know, they, um, they love to talk about, oh, prisoners get free medical like, that's that's what we see here. I mean, I'm not in America. I haven't been there, but this is all we know. I mean, everything is is glossy there. I mean, you you're staying in a good room. You have your TV there. You have your whatever it is you want to read, and then you get some good meals. So the only problem is that you don't have your freedom, isn't it? That way, right? No, it's it's awful. We the food comes in boxes that says not for human consumption on the side of it. Like people what? get really yes, the the food like the girls that work in the kitchen that bring the food in, the boxes on the side of it say not for human consumption. And people get like I watch so many gallbladders have to be removed and you know, they don't take you to the hospital until you're about to die. Mm. You know, so I've watched so many women die in there for very treatable things. Like 60% of the doctor prison doctors in Alabama have lost their medical license. They're not, you know, it's they, a doctor that has lost their medical license is allowed to work at prisons and native clinics. Like Bro. this is disgusting. I mean, the blatant racism right there. I mean, you, you, you're going to let these people who have malpractice suits and who have killed people, you know, work at prisons and work at native clinics. Wow. I mean, I when I went to prison, I realized they were still committing genocide against, you know, black people, native people. I met a handful of women that were being sterilized against their will in prison, mm -hmm. and not a single one of them was white. And now all of a sudden, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, it's a great day for white lives in America. And this mm. was before Trump opened up the ice camps. 
And, you know, you heard about the refugee women being sterilized against their will. And, you know, people were enraged about it and everything. They were doing this to American BIPOC women before mm. that. You know, mm -hmm. they are still committing genocide. You know, they, they don't even want us to, they don't even want to teach us the right history. They don't want us to know about the residential schools. I didn't even know about residential schools, you know, where they mm. took the native children, you know, from the tribes and put them in these schools where most of them ended up dead. You know, they're digging up mass graves right now. And, yeah. you know, when I went to the South, you know, and not so much in the North, you know, because there were, there was, you know, more than just you know white people on the staff but it was all white people yeah. down in you know the south that was working at these jails and just the tone of voice they would use on black inmates you know compared to me like it was just disgusting to watch mm. like i mean like yeah it was really eye-opening yeah we see we 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 don't hear it until something nasty happens like a few years ago when we had I mean, yeah, we've had a few incidences, but we we think that those are in the minority. So you you want to tell me that it's that scary, and not only out there, but also inside there, where where you have no one to defend you. No, and uh -huh. it's the cops that are supposed to protect you. And you know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say that all cops are bad. Blah blah blah. That's not the agenda I'm trying to push because mm -hmm. honestly, for every cop that tried to hurt me or, you know, oppress me in some way, there was another risking their job trying to make it stop. And that's a problem in itself. Mm -hmm. You know, bad behavior gets rewarded in law enforcement and, you know, it's really destroying people. I mean, you know, like there was a Somalian inmate in, when I was in solitary at Cumberland County and they would beat her every day until she urinated on herself. She didn't mm. do anything wrong. Like they mm -hmm. just did not like her. And it was, I thought they were going to kill her. Like, honestly, one day they would not stop beating her to the point. I was like, I'm going to listen to them murder this woman. Like, Whoa. and these, these are the things you have to watch in jail. And it's not just in a couple jails in Maine, because I went from Maine to all the way to Oklahoma. The feds took me on a whole tour. I got to see it all. And you know that you get paid $5 and 25 cents a month. For working 40 hours a week mm. and this is what the american prison system is about we make up 25 percent of the global incarceration population they're mm. gaslighting us with land of the free and all that bull bs and we have we make up 25 percent of the entire earth's incarceration population we're only five percent of, mm -hmm. of the world i mean that is a very high number and people That's are probably wondering why Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, they've bypassed slavery laws with their prison system because, okay. you know, we they pay us five dollars and twenty five cents a month, like I said. But a hospital saves three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year contracting with prisons to have inmates wash their linen instead of paying regular mm -hmm. Americans minimum wage, not even a living wage, just a mm -hmm. minimum wage. And over the pandemic, there's a reason why all these prisons across America were taking out PPP loans. They were adding wings onto their prisons to get more bets. The, the corporations want a free workforce. They don't want to pay us. Mm -hmm. They would rather round us all up, lock us up, and put us to work mm -hmm. for pennies a day. And, you know, it's, it's really, you know, even the GED system, you know, when you go to prison, if you're not, if you don't have a high school diploma or a GED, they make you take the GED. That's great mm -hmm. if you don't have a GED. But what was happening 
is they were making two grand for every inmate that enrolled in the GED and another two grand when they graduated. So inmates can't get like as an inmate, I can't look up, you know, where my old high school was. It's, mm-hmm. it's in a phone book. We don't have phone books. We don't have internet. We don't have the resources to do this. And if people don't have, well, I mean, you could have somebody on the outside get it for you, but not everybody has that option. Okay. And, you know, some of these and is it law? Is it legal, or, or is it? Are they going to hide it, or what? No. Well, what happens is they tell these women you have sixty days to get us your high school transcript or GED, or you're going to take the GED. Mm-hmm. So we had women with PhDs and doctorates and, you know, very high levels of education being mm-hmm. forced to take the GED. And okay. then they would cut corners again and have the, the really, you know, highly educated inmates teach the inmates that actually needed the GED. So, okay. you know, this is just free money for them. It's ah. one big money pit. And, you know, oh, I want I like it. they, they put you mm-hmm. to Yeah, they put you to work. And, you know, a friend of mine, um, she slipped on the ice shoveling snow. That Mm -hmm. was her job. Mm -hmm. By the time they took her to the hospital, her bone had fused back together and they had to re-break it. Whoa. I mean, it is barbaric, the things they put inmates through. Oh, well, well, that's quite horrifying stories. How long did you stay there? Um, I, well, I moved around a lot. Like they transferred me to different jails, but, um, I was at Alderson for over a year. Um, and, oh, so when I was at Somerset County, they have illegal cameras inside the SMU units, the solitary Mm -hmm. units. Mm -hmm. So they forced me to strip in front of them under duress of being maced, extracted and, you know, beaten the whole nine yards. When they extract you, they show up 12 deep. You know, all in their uh, SWAT gear, electric shock shields, batons, mace, rubber bullets. They put, they will throw canisters in your cell that are basically gas bombs. And mm-hmm. they go through the vents. So even the inmates who aren't pissing them off are getting hit with this. And mm-hmm. I've never been in a cell that was directly hit, but I've been in the pod when a cell was hit. And let me tell you what, it's terrifying to mm-hmm. be locked in somewhere and you can't breathe. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah they'll they'll come in with all that so that's what i was up against if i refused to not strip in front of these cameras so when i went to alderson i filed a priya complaint against them that stands for prison rape elimination act so anything sexual goes under a priya complaint okay. when they got the response back somerset county admitted to everything i was complaining about and they deemed it unfounded so it wouldn't go to an outside source and mm-hmm. that's how the, one of the ways they're bearing the abuse they'll just be like yep we did it and then deem it unfounded and then it's done mm-hmm. so alderson wouldn't even allow me to hold this piece of paper in my hands to read it myself they read it to me and told me i couldn't have a copy i couldn't send it home i couldn't have it period when I got out, I contacted the Freedom of Information Act to try and get a hold of this complaint. They couldn't even find it. And mm. then the captain at Alderson and four of his subordinates, Captain Grimes, y'all can go look it up. They all got convicted of raping and stalking inmates and tampering with PREA evidence. I wasn't even close to their worst victim. Whoa. And you know, this is the problem with institutions. They're allowed to do their own investigations mm-hmm. and they don't care about inmates. You know, I've watched so many, you know, couple year bid for a nonviolent inmate inmate turn into a death sentence because they just don't care. Mm. And so this is one of the bills that I'm pushing for right now um, that 
for every day they stonewall an inmate on the paperwork, it's like a $500 fine. There mm -hmm. needs to be a consequence for when they don't follow the law because by mm -hmm. law, they have to give me that paperwork if I request it. Like I requested my medical records and everything. They wouldn't give it to me. Yeah. So, and this causes a problem because like with, I had to go through the same psych meds over that put me in psychosis because I couldn't prove I had already been on it. Like mm -hmm. this causes a lot more problems than just trying to, you know, get justice for, you know, horrible things they do. Mm. Um, so this is one of the bills I'm pushing for right now that um, they get a financial, you know, something for every day they stonewall an inmate. You know, okay. they're, they're just, you know, it, and I don't, it's not just jails. It's, it's the, the, re, the, you know, military, the colleges, you know, it's big institutions that have mm -hmm. too much power and they put their reputation over people's safety and, you know, sanity and everything else. And this mm. is not what America should stand for. You know, mm. these institutions, at the end of the day, it's just a big building. Yeah. Let's let's go a bit back to your case uh, with the, the ex drug experimentation or maybe overdose. How, 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 how high did you go? And when are you, did you ever stop? Uh, how is it? in today's world <laughs> with like Elizabeth. The, what do you mean like how high I went like how intoxicated <laughs> I got yeah <laughs> oh uh, okay. I, I overdosed yeah I, I overdosed um are you true are you true I mean oh you still use I'm, I'm sober now I've been sober oh, five and a half good. years it's a good yeah report. no I don't I how long have you been sober uh five and a half years five and uh, a half it'll years. be six years in mm -hmm. December Okay. So, you know, I could count the time that I went, I was in prison, like, cause I went back on probation when I got out. Um, I had $1,300 worth of psych meds that the prison had me on and I had no way to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So with psych meds are very dangerous. If you just stop taking them and I was on lithium at the time, your okay. heart can stop. If you just stop mm -hmm. taking it, you know, it's a little more serious than, you know, just being physically dependent on them. Like some of these drugs will literally kill you. And, mm -hmm. you know, and they, they never want to talk about, you know, if they give you the wrong one and it puts you in full blown psychosis or, you know, makes you suicidal, homicidal, like they don't ever talk about, you know, when these psych drugs go horribly wrong, they never mm -hmm. want to talk about that. And the mm -hmm. doctor's never around when, you know, you get these side effects. So mm -hmm. I was spacing my prescription drugs out. And literally every time I left my house, I had a panic attack, um, being in prison, it's very, very shocking getting mm -hmm. out. Like mm -hmm. for instance, um, when I'd get in the car, it would feel like we were going a thousand miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And like, I'd look over and we were going 45. And mm -hmm. so like when you're in solitary, your brain literally slows down from the lack of stimulation. So, you know, I spent a good amount, a decent amount of time in solitary, not like years and years or anything like some people, but. Yes. And you know, when you talk about solitary, what exactly is it? Solitary is 23 and one. So you're locked in for 23 hours a day and you get one hour out. Sometimes they don't even give you an hour out. And in Whoa. some facilities, when you do have an hour out, you are shackled, you know, from your wrist to your waist to your feet. And you do, you can't barely move. And mm -hmm. horrible things go on in solitary. Like that mm -hmm. is where the most brutality happens. Because those are the inmates they don't like. And they use solitary as, you know, petty punishments. Okay. I mean, it's it's really... And, you know, when I was in solitary, I had a female sergeant telling me to kill myself. 
This Whoa. is what they're doing to people with mental health issues. I was in full-blown psychosis because they put me on the wrong medication. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was already really, like, struggling. And this woman's in there telling me to kill myself. When I got out, um, it was in the paper that she told another inmate to kill themselves. And they had to cut that inmate down from a suicide attempt. So, And she still has her job. She's still getting her pension and everything. Wow. You know, they, they convicted an 18-year-old girl for manslaughter because she was telling her boyfriend with mental health issues to kill himself and he actually did it mm -hmm. and they charged her and you know she got 18 months in prison. good good she's sick that that never should have happened but you're telling me you're gonna lock up a sick 18 year old girl but an officer of the law can continuously get away with telling people with mental health issues to kill themselves and you know she just gets to keep her pension on the taxpayer's dime like this is what we're paying for basically and you know, wow. Wow. it's just quite a quite a story, <laughs> quite a story. Yes. And we are almost uh, over with our time, and we don't know exactly what it is that you're doing right now, apart from oh, just pushing the bill. Well, Tell us a bit uh, of everything that you're doing now, because I know you're doing some good yes. things. At so present. not only am I working with um, main state reps and everything, I launched an environmentally friendly clothing brand based on my art. I went from painting murals in prison to having this beautiful feminine brand and it comes in plus sizes. It's very inclusive. So like, here's one of my bags. Mm -hmm. Whoa. And I've got shawls. I've got dresses. I've got, this one's going to be beautiful for summer. Like, okay. I mean, and the thing that I really loved about the galleries, you know, as women, we have like skinny and pretty shoved down our throats. You mm -hmm. know, we're told that we're only as valuable as we are skinny and pretty. And a lot of these brands will size their clothes really, really small. Did you paint and I've all those? A lot of Did you paint them yourself? Yes, I paint okay. all of these designs. Mm -hmm. These are all oh, of my pieces. They're beautiful. And beautiful. so this brand all of the all of the clothes are actually a little bit bigger than your average brand so i'm okay. so happy about this because it's not gonna affect people's like body dysmorphia issues and you mm -hmm. know stuff like that this is a shawl yeah and um oh one of the bills that i did get passed in maine um is that all jails are mandated to now provide feminine hygiene products free of charge to women so mm. yes that is a problem. Women will literally make their own tampons in prison and get themselves sick. Like mm. this needs to be a law straight across the board. They get over a hundred dollars a day per mm -hmm. inmate. They can afford to give us tampons and pads. And when they oh. do have it on commissary, they jack the price up, like triple what it is out here. Mm -hmm. You know, meanwhile, we're working for pennies a day. Yeah. This is a pillowcase by the way. So, you know, there's placemats and, you know, fun little stuff like that too. Okay. So I put like gold scales in for, you know, draw on abundance and wealth and stuff like that. Um, oh, beautiful. And I'm curious to know, did you also do your hat? Oh, no, no, no. This is, this is a metal militia hat. <laughs> okay. okay. They're one of my favorites though. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, and the other bill that, uh, or the other proposal that got turned into a bill and got passed was, um, the, the housing problem was just exploding in Maine. Mm -hmm. And um, these landlords were um, charging these outrageous application fees. Mm -hmm. And what they were doing is they'd get like 10, 20 application fees a week and get triple the rent. And That's they wouldn't it. even have to turn any, you know, heat on, water, any of that. So mm -hmm. they were just getting all this free money from, you know, application fees and not actually renting the apartment. Mm -hmm. So they 
passed a bill saying that you can only charge an application fee if a lease is signed. So that was, you know, a good power to the people bill that got passed. And I'm really happy about it because, you know, we spent over a thousand dollars, you know, just applying to these places and okay. you know, just for them to tell us no. And it's so hard. And again, I'll say it again. There's 29 empty properties for every homeless person in America. But mm. capitalism says they can't be filled unless if rich elite hoarders of, you know, wealth make more money off of it. This mm -hmm. is sociopathic. Everybody deserves healthcare. Everybody deserves health housing. And you know, the thing that really made it so that I could stay sober when I got out is Janet Mills took over from Paula Page in Maine and mm. she expanded Maine care. So it didn't matter if I had kids or not, I could get health care. That okay. allowed me to go to trauma counseling. That allowed me to, you know, get mat treatment when I needed it. Then I got off of it, you know, and it, I could fix my issues. And that was just the little, you know, tiny little thing that just made it possible. It was really hard. It was a lot, you know, it, you know, there were times I was on the brink of relapsing, but I mm -hmm. didn't. And mm -hmm. it was just because, you know, I had the options of not having to medicate myself. You know, all these other countries have universal health care. Mm -hmm. America should too. And I don't care if someone's an immigrant or whatever, like it's so infuriating and like embarrassing to listen to these white supremacists be like, oh, they're jumping the border. And I'm like, yeah, what did our ancestors do? We plowed right over the Native Americans. And you know mm -hmm. what? If if we had colonized ourselves to be like natives, this place, this country would be a much better place. We wouldn't have this rape culture. We wouldn't have a mass shooting every day. We mm -hmm. wouldn't, everyone wouldn't be addicted to pharmaceuticals. You know, I will die on that hill. Like that, this would be such a better place if white people had, you know, colonized to be like natives. Mm. And it's just like, I'm so tired of watching this continue, you know, in my country because it's like, you know, we, we should have been over this. Like, yeah. This should not continuously be an issue. And now we're like in stage seven of, you know, mass genocide. Mm -hmm. I just watched a show. They just explained we're like on the seventh stage of, you know, what that whole process is, you know, like what Hitler did and all that. And it's terrifying. Like, it, and it makes me sad because, you know, the, the idea of America, you know, was pretty great, but it was just, you know, a dream that turned into a total nightmare, unfortunately. Mm, and you know, I'm glad I made it out, but I'm still seeing so many people suffer. And yes, you know, and we are glad. We are glad that you made it out, and uh, we are happy at what you're doing right now. And my question is, how could the viewer help with the pushing of the bills? And the second question is uh, about your your design, your fashion. How can we also know more about it? Um, so I am on TikTok and I'm on IG and both the handles are the same. It's EPM underscore art underscore 1111. And um, I also have a website. Um, it's HTTP colon slash slash www.legalerice.com slash EN slash Elizabeth dot no, and if there are any stores out there that um, would like to carry my brand in their store, I do wholesale as well. Mm -hmm. Wholesale. So 
the, the closest website I came, I mean, the easiest way that I found it, because uh, I was trying to say it, was that legalist. I yeah. can't pronounce that. <laughs> well, no, you, it's you, in the description. You just tap in the link and you go and watch the design. That's not going to... That, that's not going to bring it. You have to put um, the slash en slash Elizabeth dot Mikotowicz, um, because legalities, any artist can sign up with legalities and do what oh. I'm doing. Oh, so okay. they, they have lots of different artists. Um, this is just my portal. So you, yeah. that's why you have to put um, the slash en slash Elizabeth dot Mikotowicz. So make sure you okay. add that. Last for anybody part. who's watching, you search for that uh, link is going to be tagged there. And uh, that would take you to Elizabeth's platform. I didn't know. I thought that Legarist was your website. No. Okay. Um, they're no, a really great company in Canada. Okay. They're a really great put... company in Canada. Okay. We'll put the right link. So after this, you can always look for the right, uh, right link uh, on the description. And uh, that's about it for today's show. We've been glad having you here, Elizabeth. And Thank uh, you for having me. yeah, we, we appreciate your stories and we wish the best for you. We wish that uh, the bills that you're pushing go through because they, we can hear they are important. And uh, we wish you the best in your fashion also. Thank you. Yes. And something I would like to ask you before you go is to leave us with some few words that we should always remember. That always happens here now, tell us. Laughter makes the pain go down easier. That is something I learned in life. <laughs> wow. So keep and, laughing. you know, like just I, I used to, you know, think my life was over because, you know, of what I went through and everything else. But, you know, I, I started looking at it like, you know, it's kind of like you break a beautiful piece of pottery and it's in a million pieces. But you can take those pieces and make a beautiful mosaic out of it. Mm, that's beautiful. Now she's talking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has been now. Tell us, we really appreciate you once again, Elizabeth, for being with you, uh, with us here. All those people who have been watching us from the different platforms that we are live, thank you very much. You can always ask a question even after we've signed through, uh, or leave a comment in appreciation, or just anything. Say anything. We are open to hear anything from you. And uh, that's about it for today. So I've been your host, Anthony Morore, and together with our guest today, Elizabeth Mikotowicz. You didn't tell me whether I'm getting it right. Yeah, you got it right. <laughs> yes, Elizabeth Mikotowicz, we are saying keep on laughing because uh, whatever it is that you're going through, as Elizabeth says, laughter is going to lighten it. On TikTok, they are sending love. I can see that. Just someone oh, saying that. thanks, guys. <laughs> you can feel free to follow me too. Yes, I'm doing a series about. Yes, yeah, I'm doing a series about the violence against women in prison. Well, mm -hmm. I've started it. I've been slacking because I've been dealing with dog crises, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So go follow Elizabeth on TikTok or everywhere else that she is available. That's about it. Bye for now. These uh, I won't say nothing else. I'll just say keep keep laughing. Keep keep living and keep uh, the hope up. Bye. Yes. Bye.